Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome, everyone, once again to the A-Show of the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet Network. My name is is main event McLeod, your sweeps champion, Mr. WrestleMania, Ross McLeod, joined by the winner of our Season 12 draft, the true winner of our Season 12 draft. He did it. He did it all by himself, like own heart. Gary, Gary, Gary. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. I did it in spite of David Hockney. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of someone who does things to spite David Hockney, uh, it's his... <laughs> Like co-host Scott McLeod. Yes, it was only a shame that Dave couldn't be there with us to watch the glorious moment where we realised that they'd won the death because as soon as our, our association was over, we know Gary would have kicked his leg out of his leg. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with your constant references to this being the A show. I mean, I agree it's A show. But... <laughs> well, I mean... The world's clay tonight. We've got... The brains behind the feature show. We've got the brains behind uh, Central, and oh, Scott's involved with Saturday Draft Live. I was about to say, <laughs> there's no brains in that show. Eagles, foreheads, and <laughs> is what is involved in that show. I look like fucking Albert Einstein compared to some of that lot. <laughs> Anyway, I will say Scott was doing a lot of the heavy lifting pattern-wise the other night. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't let that put you off if you want to listen back to Saturday Draft Live. All the rest of our feature shows and our massive back catalogues of news, reviews, interviews and previews. Go ahead and find us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You name it, we are probably on it. Uh, it's going to be a very different Central this week. It's just going to be all about WrestleMania. I know there was loads of shows over WrestleMania weekend, but we really we, we do not have the time. I think we don't have the the manpower to do it. We we do have the people to do it. It's just that we are three some of the only three people that will show up for shows these days. But <laughs> anyway, wrestling podcasters that don't do wrestling shows, eh? What a time to be alive. But we'll move on. <laughs> WrestleMania, the two nights stupendous, spectacular. And before I slabber on my S's there, I'm just going to quickly move on. Uh, night one, some of the big matches heading into that. 
you had the SmackDown tag team titles on the line. You had uh, the possible return. We didn't know if it would be a return for Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had Seth Rollins going up against a mystery opponent and much, much more. Uh, Gary, let's start you off. What was your match of the night for night one? You, you mentioned it there, Ross. I am going to select uh, for my match of the night Seth freaking Rollins versus Mr. McMahon's mystery opponent who turned out to be Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, one of the worst kept secrets in all of wrestling. And despite it being uh, one of the worst kept secrets in all of wrestling, it was still an, an amazing moment when his music hit and people realised who it was, the pop in the arena, well, it was fabulous. Um, I think, could you just imagine, Ross, what that would have been like if if it hadn't been for the leaks, if it had been a genuine surprise, if that was the first we'd seen, seen of them? I mean, I just, I mean, imagine what it was times 100. It would have been, it would have been quite phenomenal. But I, I enjoyed the... My, the, the moment and also there was a part of us that just probably wouldn't have been surprised to have heard Elias's music uh, appear or something anticlimactic but it turned out to be to be be Cody and I suspect Seth Rollins has spent a bit of time sleeping on the sofa in his house after um, I think Becky and Bianca put on uh, up until that point, they were show of the night, or sorry, match of the night, and then Seth and Cody go out and take it from them. Oh, it was, you know, amazing moment, amazing atmosphere, cracking match, full of great spots and moments. And although watching it, I did think, well, they'd, at times the result, the outcome of this isn't going to be in jeopardy. Cody's not going to lose. But then there were a couple of moments that made me think, actually, WWE are going to uh, you know, pull the, you know, we're going to see a repeat of the Sting experience yeah. at WrestleMania. And um, uh, there was the moment where the pedigree hits. I thought, oh, he's going to lose. But, uh, you know, cracking, cracking match. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And that's my, my choice for... Um, Night one. Yeah, Scott, uh, Gary mentioned obviously he wouldn't have been surprised to hear something anticlimactic like Elias' music. There was, there was rumours of uh, Shane McMahon. Uh, there was also Seth Rollins himself playing it up, putting up gifts of uh, certain wrestlers that it might be. <laughs> and then I think they were in a position sort of like AEW when they brought in CM Punk. Mm -hmm. And so much talk that it was CM Punk and it was Cody Rhodes without any confirmation that had it been anyone other than him, it would have fell flat on his ass. Yeah, I don't know who this Elias fella is you keep talking about, but that is the <laughs> we saw on Raw. He seems like he's got a bright future ahead of him. <laughs> In terms of match, yeah, I mean, as Guy was saying, no, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have known that Cody. I'd signed with WWE and departed like AEW, but I think with somebody as integral to AEW and as high profile in the world of wrestling as, as Cody is, there was no way that was going to be kept a secret anyway. Somehow it was going to get leaked. But like you said, like for me, it didn't really matter what happened in the match uh, as long as like 
Cody showed up and you know ended up rightfully winning the match. Whatever happened in between, I think fans would have just accepted because just the anticipation was so high for this. But yeah, and again, they did pull out a hell of a match. I like the use of the pedigree involved, given both men's respective relationships with, uh, with Triple H. And also, like, the little references to Ace Pass, like, he did the the Stardust kind of taunt at one point, and Corey, Rose, uh, Corey Graves described it as him, like, shedding the past or something like that. Yeah, he said that wasn't showboating, that was shedding skin, which I really did like. Um, Gary, one of the most important things here was the presentation of Cody Rhodes as, uh, like, when he came onto the stage, you know, we know he's been using Downstate and AEW. We know he's been going as American Mayor since 2016 on the independent scene. He was, you know, dashing Cody Rhodes and the Chosen One Cody Rhodes and disfigured Cody Rhodes and Stardust and WWE. But that wasn't what people were looking forward to. They were looking forward to AEW's Cody Rhodes jumping ship. And I think like, a lot we, we talk about what what made WCW fail. A lot of the time when they brought guys in from WWE or ECW, they changed the gimmick completely. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a thing WWE have done over the f- past few years. But I think something that really hit home was that this was AEW's Cody Rhodes. He had the same sort of, the, the tattoo design he's got on his neck, he had that up on the big 3D screen. He had the music, he had the gear. He still had the blonde hair. They didn't make him change it back, unfortunately. No, no, you're absolutely right, Ross. I mean, the presentation of Cody, both on Saturday at WrestleMania and on Monday at Raw, he was presented as a star. He was presented as a main event caliber player. He was presented as a future champion. I thought uh, they got that absolutely right. And you're correct. People wanted the AEW version of Cody Rhodes, and that's exactly what we got. And the I think it's that was important. And I think what WWE do next with Cody is important. If they're going to have other people jump in the future, Cody's got to be booked, right? He's got to, this has got to have a happy ending to this particular story. Because uh, if it doesn't, and I've referenced Sting earlier on, if we have Cody jobbing out uh, to Seth at WrestleMania Backlash, for example, and then he'll eat some other losses subsequently, I think that will raise some some question marks. And WWE you know, has at times repackaged people when they come across, but you know, to be fair and balanced, there have been some people that have come across and been presented in the way that uh, they have been previously. I mean, AJ Styles is one that jumps to mind. I know a different theme song, but um, he, thankfully he his name wasn't changed and he didn't turn into Butch or Cousin Butch <laughs> there. But no, Cody, Cody was presented as an absolute star. And if you were not familiar with Cody Rhodes, you know that he's a star. My son was watching WrestleMania with us. He now wants a Cody Rhodes t-shirt for his birthday in a few weeks' time. Oh, don't worry. They released three... Literally an hour after his match, WWE.com announced Cody Rhodes merch on sale now, you laugh, for God's sake. I know, who's doing their marketing and retail? Do they have a store? (laughs) (laughs) 
Nitu, the Braga way trip, Cody Rhodes top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, really, I, we've really gotten a obviously the importance of Cody coming back. The match itself, great match. There's not much you can really say about the match other than it was great because the build was so special. The the appearance of Cody was mind blowing. That the match thankfully was good, but it will be an afterthought in years to come, I believe. Like because it was Cody's homecoming, that's what it'll be remembered as. But um sorry, you go again. No, no, yeah, I think you're right, Ross. But in some ways, uh I think that's okay. I mean, you look back at some of these great WrestleMania moments and like when we we reviewed it recently for the feature show Mania Twenty Two, when I think of Edge and McFoley, I think of that table spot. But it was a very good match that went around it um, as well. But so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Although I do agree, people will remember this as the return of Cody Rhodes. Um, Scott, what was your match of the night for night one? Uh, I think uh, involved. I think I'm going to go with uh, Seth Rollins' significant other. Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's Championship against Bianca Belair because much like with this match where you know they didn't try and swerve you, they gave you Cody, which everybody wanted. Here they didn't decide to, they didn't do what they did with Shane and change their minds had Becky retain because the other outcome seemed too obvious. They finally gave Bianca that win back over Becky. You know they didn't do any shenanigans, no quick squashes. They just let you let them go at it. They gave them the proper time that it deserved. And Bianca got that win for fully cement her as you know the new face kind of the Raw Women's Division, and hopefully she doesn't like her title reign isn't as repetitive as her SmackDown title reign where she fought Bailey for three pay per views and a bloody row. <laughs> but uh, I just it felt like they could have easily just changed their minds and went with Becky at a few points in this, but they just they they stuck to their gun and they. Uh, they went with Bianca as the winner, and a lot of people talked about how overcome the emotion she was when she held that SmackDown title last year. And then you hold that to a photo of her winning, holding up the Raw title, and you can tell the confidence in her face, where she realizes now she belongs alongside people like Becky Lynch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and here's hoping that it isn't going to be as repetitive as you mentioned. The SmackDown women's roster then was very paper thin. There is a lot more mm-hmm. people on Raw. Hopefully we can get some good matches at Bianca. Uh, <clears throat> a Bianca uh, uh, against Rhea Ripley would be great. Bianca, Shayna, Baszler would be great. But who knows, going forward. Um, Gary, we talked about the presentation when it came to Cody Rhodes. Um, that's something else that's been echoed in this match because when Becky came back, she was instantly, you know, the whole 22nd win over Bianca, people were quite annoyed at the time. But since then, they've built up this... Becky hasn't lost a title match in three years. They built up Bianca Belair. You know, she didn't... She didn't win back the title straight away. She wasn't sent to... Sent to SmackDown to, you know, win their title. But she did get big wins, like coming back from 4-1 down at Survivor Series. She was the Iron Woman at uh, the Royal Rumble for the second time running. And she was the winner of the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. So she's had the big win. She's been kept strong while being kept away from the title picture, which is all you can really ask there. 
And thankfully, Scott says, we weren't met with a, nope, swear, we're going to keep the title on Becky. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was a bit odd going into WrestleMania that both this and the SmackDown Women's Championship were both booked on the Saturday night. It would have made sense to me at least to have put one on Saturday, put the other one on the Sunday. Uh, but they did what they did and um, uh, went with it. So this um, presentation was also interesting because you know they both got this sort of special WrestleMania uh, Starburst type of injury. Sorry, injury <laughs> uh, entrance, not injuries to it, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought I enjoyed the brass band setup, and uh, you know Becky is just just a, an absolute star and. Uh, the rub that Bianca got from from getting her victory back will will stand her in instead for a long time to come. Although they did tease and they almost got me. I don't know about you guys at the time at the start of the match. It looked like history was maybe going to repeat itself with a very quick victory. Um, well, with, uh, yeah, exactly. I thought that was I thought that was good. I really enjoyed that part to it. But what where Bianca goes from here? It's important because I think you're right. There are a couple of credible challengers. I emphasise the word couple. I don't think there's great depth because WWE is not good at giving the women talent something to do if they're not chasing the championship. So I think there's, yeah, she could probably have a good couple of months with Rhea. But I'm a wee bit concerned about the depth beyond that of depth of credible challengers mm -hmm. yeah um, Scott obviously uh, to that point uh, a lot of the people they were chasing the women's title they were in a team and they were chasing the, uh, the tag title um, it would it would stand better to maybe have a mid card title much like AEW do for the TBS title to keep people in and about the hunt but um I don't want to see her go up against Becky Lynch again, and I've mentioned Rhea Ripley. Is there anyone else you think she could have a good, like, lengthy feud with? Well, I think uh, as much as it'd be great to see both of them in, like, singles title chases, Liv and Rhea have felt more like a, even though they didn't win at Mayor, they felt more like a tag team in the lead-up to it than most of the teams that have held the women's tag team titles. Even the ones that went into many as the champions. But either of them going after the belt, because like Liv and Dewdrop, I think, could have excellent even one off pay per view feuds with Bianca, because now at this stage, it feels more likely that they might take a chance on them. Whereas when they went up against Becky, even though they both look great in the matches against Becky, you never really felt like Becky was in that much danger and didn't exactly help Dewdrop the fact that the crowd were busy looking at a sign that they were trying to stop from catching fire so either of them Rhea I think Bianca's in a better position than she was last time because like the Smackdown Women's Division is still fairly thin like it's pretty much Charlotte on top of everybody else uh, with not much challenge whereas Bianca's got a better wealth of people to face and also the rumours of Asuka coming back very soon would be cool to see I'm also very interested to see what happens with Becky because now they have a chance to actually try and book her into a feud without the title which they haven't been able to do and a couple of years now, as they've made a big thing of it, when she's been on TV and not off having the kid and that, she's mostly spent her time the last few years being a champion. 
So, like I said, it's, like, it's frustrating when they don't book proper foods outside the belt. So I'm, I'd be hopeful to see Becky food with somebody else, not over the belt, but use that to elevate that person to, front, to later go on to face Bianca. Like, have Becky via Rhea before Rhea goes on to maybe win the women's money in the bank. Yeah, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but we're being far too positive here, lads. Uh, we're wrestling fans and we like to moan. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Gary. What was your worst match of night one? Uh, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to say the opening match of the Usos versus Shinsuke and Rick Boogs. Not, uh, not necessarily, uh, I've, I mean, it's unavoidable to some sense. What a, what a horrendous injury Boogs suffered and a very sudden ending to the match. So it wasn't quite the opener that one would have wanted for WrestleMania. And, uh, yeah, for that reason, I'm going to say the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, Ross. Yeah, it's unfortunate, obviously, that it happened to be the opening match because, thankfully, this wasn't the case here, but the opening match sometimes determines how the rest of the card goes and (laughs) puts the rest of the card into perspective and... Thankfully, everyone else is able to knock it out of the park. But Scott, unfortunate on his first WrestleMania that Rick Boogs, when he gets the, the big push there, that he suffers that injury. Yeah, because it seems weird, also given how much of a big deal since goes before coming to WWE, even upon his debut, that really Boogs was being set up in this feud as the star of the the team, and you know. The spot that it happened, obviously, we've seen John Cena do that, like lifting more than one person up for her, like the, the attitude adjustment. I think they were going for a similar spot with him because a big thing of his whole gimmick has been like how strong he actually is, and like he's single, it's like the look of an old timey bloody strong man kind of thing. And then when he's trying to showcase like one of his main skills and uh, how strong he is, that's when it happens, and it goes to show that like even the simplest of moves, like. If something can go horribly wrong and how quickly the match ended after that and Nakamura being pinned with the use of like tag finisher uh, it did feel like you know they were very much scrabbling to grambling to end the match as quickly as possible and you can see why they chose them to open the show with the guitar entrance and you could tell how over Rick Figs was everyone joining in with his introduction that Obviously, start with an act that's very over to kick off the show, but it did leave a kind of a dark cloud over the start of the show, which thankfully, you know, I recovered from very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And probably we wish Rick Boogs all the best, get well soon. Um, a serious patella injury that happened to Mark Henry when he was in the midst of his, his push going up against Batista. And it derailed him for about a year, so hopefully Rick Boogs is back before that. Uh, interesting to see where Nakamura goes from here. Um, it seemed he was in a very safe spot for that time. Just being with like the company's new toy of the month sort of thing. <laughs> so I'm hoping that going forward he's not just a, a casualty of this injury. But um, Scott... We'll come to you for your worst match of the night. What was your worst match of night one? Well, I say, also the WrestleMania recovered from like the kind of dark cloud that this match put on it. 
I didn't recover after the following match because, like, I'm not saying it was bad in that, like, in terms of like the actual moves that went on the match, but it's just a case of like, with one of the matches of Mini Weekend, I couldn't give less of a fuck about, and it was <laughs> it was Happy Corbin versus Drew, uh, and also yeah, there's a big moment with Drew being the first person to kick out at the end of days, but surely uh, it should ha- that should have happened in a match that somebody was invested in because I don't know if anybody was as invested into this match because. Like, I remember when Drew came back from his injury and said, oh, he's going to have one more match in Saudi Arabia against Madcap Moss. Like, no, please, like, do the Corbin match. You let Drew do something else for WrestleMania because this is the biggest crowd I think Drew's been in front of and he couldn't be further away from the bloody WWE title. <laughs> Whereas when he was WWE champion, there was no fucker in the building. So I really feel like Drew deserved more here. And then, like, the stuff with the sword, like... Like, it's much like when the Bludgeon Brothers had the hammers, you know they're not going to actually use them. But he swung it, and then the ropes broke in the most comical way ever. Like, yeah, I don't even believe... Like, I can't even suspend my disbelief with that. That looks so fake when the ropes just fell apart. <clears throat> yeah, Gary, Scott mentioned um, when Drew was WWE champion, unfortunately there was no one in the building. And it seems to be, since the fans have came back, the... The most high-profile matches have been him losing to Lashley, him facing Jinder Mahal in a four-minute squash match, and this match with Baron Cor- sorry, Happy Corbin, which we all wished was kind of over a few months earlier. Um, I thought it was a decent big man match. I didn't think there was much wrong with the match, but it, it felt more SmackDown before Mania than WrestleMania. Yeah, what is it with Corbin and feuds that seem to last forever. Yeah, the death of Roman. <laughs> yeah, it just goes on and on and on. And there is, I don't know if it's me, guys, or if this is just me, but like when Corbin, I think, has all the tools to be a really, really great heel and he likes playing that part, he's got a bit of X-Pac for me. Like, yeah, I, I th- is he just maybe a bit too overexposed? Does he need a little bit of time away? I liked it when he was doing the down and the dump sad Corbin, but for me that didn't last long enough. And we're now back into this. So you know, how can we ever miss you if you never go anywhere? I just wonder if he needs a wee bit of a wee bit of a break. He's always got a support act, whether that's oh, it feels like he's always got a support act, whether that's the you know, the brief period that he had what the the, the lone nights of the lone wolves. Yeah. And then we've got Mad Cat Moss and I really don't give a shit about Mad Cat Moss either. Um, the Andrew the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, Gary. <laughs> well, I know that's a prestigious awards to get much greater than the Andre the Giant Battle <laughs> Battle Royal. Um, but uh, um, I, I agree with the comments about the sword. If I've never seen the sword again, that would be too soon. And with Drew, um, you can't be in top forever. So you do need a period when you've been up there, as he was for a period of time, to come away, to reset, but to stay strong. So then the times to comes to go again, you can legitimately step back into that position. I think AJ Styles is in that similar loop, although AJ has been going on for quite some time now. Um, so has Drew been kept sufficiently strong 
that he could, in a heartbeat, go back in his uh, challenge for the title. The type of feuds we were just talking about, Gino Jinder at SummerSlam, Corbett at Mania, they're not, they're not, you know, hitting it at the park. It's not like AJ's working, you know, working with Edge, and if in the back of that he then goes into the championship picture, you could, I think that's more of a natural step than than this one. So what happens with Drew next will be really key. And I mean, there are rumours that he's going with no spoilers, but he's going to be uh, challenging for the the championship on the back of this. Um, we'll see what happens come come Friday night SmackDown. The thing with the, the long feuds in Corbin is that I think Ziggler used to be that guy for a long time where he's feuded for too long, and then they feuded in twenty sixteen him and Corbin and Ziggler, and somehow uh, Corbin through that inherited the curse of the long feuds from there he's been carrying it ever since the curse of Dolph Ziggler <laughs> now you leave the former now former NXT champion the greatest NXT champion of all time alone thank you very much <laughs> but anyway um, we'll, we'll go through the rest of night uh, night one there so we've talked about the so we've talked about uh, Drew McIntyre and Happy Corbin the Logan Paul versus Ray and Dominic Mysterio guys um I I don't take much to do with with Logan Paul. I I knew him from Vine back in two thousand nine. I don't pay attention to these stupid YouTube boxer matches, but he took to this like a duck to water and playing the despicable heel that everyone hates. Being with Miz, who is a despicable heel that everyone hates, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. He. Um I think you said this to me at the weekend, Ross. There's a batch of celebrities coming through that are, are a step above what we've seen before. They're athletes that are taking this seriously and trained for it. I thought Paul's work in the ring was was better. Bad Bunny got a lot of praise for Mania last year. I think Paul was a whole level above that. His work, his uh, his character work as well. Do you know the the three amigos, the Eddie Guerrero shimmy on the top rope? It was just great heel stuff. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and Scott, um, the the Mysterios. I love the outfits for the Mysterios. Uh, Ray looking uh, Latino world order. Um, Dominic his real dad. <laughs> Dominic looking like his real dad in uh, Los Gringos. Um, it was, it was just, it, it was. It felt like a WrestleMania match. It felt here we have a despisable heel, the Miz. Here we have a celebrity, as we were mentioning, that's stepping up and immersing himself in it, and not, not being like, oh, this is easy to do. And then we had two, two legitimate. Overacts, and it was a good match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember I joked with you when I saw Dominic's gear and the all like America thing. Like, well, we know I said to you, well, it's clearly not Cody Rhodes coming out later because Dominic has clearly nicked his gear and what he was going <laughs> to wear. Uh, and yeah, the thing with Logan Paul, like, I think him and the Miz is like a match being him. It makes much more sense than when Paul came out with Sami Zayn last year because they're both guys where. There's a section of people who just don't like, who not, don't just not like them, like as in the characters, but just legit don't like them, and they know that, and they and they play up to, it, which is what makes them great, such great guys to you know to hate and to root against. So 
that is a tag team that if, they, if Logan Paul wanted to to be a more full-time guy, he and Miz could have a long career as a despicable heel tag team. And yeah, like Logan like had his spots. He came in and he clearly had been putting the work in. Like we were talking about, like Bad Bunny was great, but he really, other than that key destroyer, what what else did he do in the match? Whereas I can I can name you like at least three or so spots that Logan Paul did in this match, and it was good because. He clearly put the effort in. Miz is there. He's reliable. Mysterio's still one of the best to ever do it. And he got dominated there. He's still also, despite also being Kev, by comparison to being experienced, he's taken to wrestling like a duck to water as well. Like he's one of the more natural second-generation wrestlers out there. So everybody played their part really well here. And like it was really actually hard to tell where they would go because, you know, like you'd think there's so many like so much celebrity involvement. You thought, surely a celebrity's going to win at least one match here. Uh, we didn't know who if it was going to be him or Knoxville or Pat McAvey and then you thought well Mysterio, father and son getting a win together that's a good story so it actually it was more unpredictable than you'd think it would have been and also did you see how much that fucking Pokemon card apparently is worth that Logan Paul came out with yeah it's <laughs> a, a one of one Pokemon card was apparently a, a fair few hundred thousand well, I, I, heard, I read somewhere it was in the millions. Yeah, it like, it's in the million, Guinness Book yeah. of Records. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Let's just say if you had the money that it was worth out, you wouldn't be spending on a fucking Pokemon card. Suppose <laughs> <laughs> when you can spend that on a Pokemon card, it shows you had far too much money. And it shows why, you know, you've got the, you've got the guy from Cleveland who's married to a French lingerie model. <laughs> and you've got the guy who did videos on YouTube and Vine who has enough money to buy a Lamborghini and three million pound Pokemon cards. I mean, they are the perfect I fucking hate you tag team because you wish you were them. <laughs> but, um, this is true. Uh, I really liked the, the ending. Miz very aggressive with the ending. Po- yeah. uh, Powerbombing uh, Ray onto, onto Dominic and then the skull-crushing finale. One, two, three. Gets the win and then decides, I'm not taking the spot. I'm not sharing the spotlight. Hits Logan Paul with a skull-crushing finale. And do we think we maybe see Logan Paul back for a third WrestleMania to fight The Miz next year? It's certainly set up for, uh, I'm you've got a natural story to follow. I did wonder if we were going to see a, a natural follow-on immediately, but that's probably not the case with a, potentially with a Miz face turn because the fans in the building ate it up on Saturday <laughs> night, didn't they? Loved it. Well, Logan probably was going to come out after Mrs. Matt quick win over Dominic, but your Mahan waits for no one he's been waiting <laughs> long enough to arrive on Raw. Uh, but yeah, the, the finish, like, Miz using a classic tactic of beating a motherfucker with another motherfucker. Uh, I'm wondering, is it Money in the Bank or SummerSlam? One of, they've got a pay-per-view coming up that's in Vegas, is it not? Yeah, Money in the Bank's at the same Vegas venue that SummerSlam was at last year. Right, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like they want to bring Logan Paul in for a one-on-one with the Miz if they do it there because the idea of like he's done the boxing and uh, Vegas is known for a big like as a big boxing town, so kind of like going there because you know I wouldn't I think they're going to want to capitalize on the like the attention they're getting from Logan Paul and not want to wait until next year. So and I think if he's like willing to put the effort, he'll want to do it as soon as possible as well. Yeah, maybe a SummerSlam one, who knows? Uh, a run in at Money in the Bank in Vegas and then something at SummerSlam down the line, who knows? But 
One of the it, it seemed obviously we, we talked about the, the the injury in the opening match caused that finish. Drew winning was obvious. Miz and Logan Paul was a 50-50. Bianca and Cody winning was pretty obvious. I thought this one was the most shocking result of the weekend. Charlotte Flair defeating Ronda Rousey. Um, we talked about Gary how they didn't swerve you with the with the Raw Women's Title match. They just went right. Here's what's happening. We're doing this. You know, let's have our twenty minutes and get there and get the big feel good win. Uh, Ronda Rousey, the Royal Rumble winner, suffering the curse of the Rumble winner <laughs> over the past few years, <laughs> and uh, losing to Charlotte Flair in the main event under dubious circumstances. Yeah, I think for me this match suffered a little bit because the crowd had just had a cracking match with Bianca and Becky. They'd had the return of Cody Rhodes and a cracking match. And then they were getting straight away Charlotte and Ronda. Whereas WWE is normally very good at predicting the, the ebb and the flow of the crowd and changing up matches so you don't get too many similar things together. So I think the this you know, you look at the first three matches on the card, the SmackDown tag, tag titles, Drew and Corbin and the the tag match we were just talking about with Miz. If they had maybe been intersected in amongst some of these matches, yeah. I think that might have helped. But, you know, you could have put Drew and Corbin in between Cody uh, or before this match. And even that might the, have helped. Even the cut, uh, New Day match. We saw yeah. it like two minutes the next night. Yeah. So just you know, something to allow the crowd to grab their breath, yeah. recover, because this should have felt like a big fight, and it didn't really hit, ever hit the notes for me. And I wonder if part of that, and it might be unfair, was those of you that listened to the feature show we did on Ronda Rousey. I I love Ronda's work yeah. from it. I'm not sure she's, you know, she's only been back for a short period of time now. She, For me, she's not quite at the level she was before. So the match was at times a wee bit ropey for me, as well as the crowd being out. Yeah. And obviously the finish, clearly you've said this before, Ross, there's always another show to do. So not everything finishes at Mania and some stories have to continue on. And that's what we're going to get here with uh, Charlotte and Rhonda, and I don't think any of us really expected it. I think maybe we expected, you know, certainly I had my money on Rhonda walking out as the champion. Yeah, so um, we talked about there just obviously the pacing of the show. Um, we'll talk about obviously Austin, Kevin Owens in a minute because no matter what happened there, that was going to get big reactions. But with the possibility of a Cody Rhodes return, and both women's world titles being on the same show, one of them really should have opened. And is this one maybe, I thought it was a decent match, but I think maybe it just suffered for the placement. As Gary yeah, yeah, I think I think I mentioned before, I think there's an argument to me that maybe you could have opened with Bianca and Becky, and then had your, your other matches like Drew and that, or the Smiling titles to kind of bring the crowd down a bit. And I think, I don't know how you can have, as long as the show went, it went nearly what, what four hours, nearly the main show, even yeah, maybe yeah. longer. Like somehow you you've got time issues, you couldn't fit the new day tag match in, and or you couldn't fit that kind of match on the pre-show that was two hours of non-stop talking. Uh, yeah, so I think two they were really banging. Jesus, 
they were I think they were really banking on having the the, the New Day tag match between Seth Rollins and Cody and this match. And when that got cut, also the crowd didn't have enough time to properly, you know, adjust. And so, yeah, the fact that by that point, also UK time, it, I was starting to wane a little bit. And also, it wasn't exactly the smoothest. I mean, I, I do believe their match from SummerSlam in 2018 was a lot better than this. Yeah. Uh, I think what also is surprising, not just like, the fact that Charlotte won, that's how she won, because, like, they basically decided... Basically exposed the fact that we all, the reason this is happening is we didn't get to do it three years ago because the obvious thing when she came back seemed to be her v Becky, but they want to do that next year. So they had to find a reason for her to just ignore Becky and choose Charlotte instead. Uh, and the whole, so then they decided, they decided the only thing they could think of was, oh, Charlotte doesn't tap out even though she has, or like, or Ronda's never tapped out. So it's all going to be about who can make the other tap out. And in the end, Charlotte won by pinfall. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I thought it was a good match, but not the smoothest, as you mentioned, Scott. Um, the placement, as Gary mentioned, kind of killed it. And obviously, a bit of overbooking on WWE's part. You know what? Yeah. We'll chalk this one up to just, oh, well, it was one of those matches because I think the rest of the, the weekend went pretty well. So we can yeah. maybe get for Not a bad match, just a, a, a victim of. Too many big matches, I think, there. But let's talk about... I'm excited to talk to you guys about this, Scott and Gary, because last week in the preview show, I I was talking to Dave about Stone Cold Steve Austin, potentially after 19 long years, making his return to the ring. The first time since WrestleMania 19 being in a WrestleMania match and possibly even the main event. And David Hockney gave it all the enthusiasm of a hangover shite. <laughs> he, he gave this all the enthusiasm of taking the bins out and the arse falls out the bin and you need to pick it up with your bare horns. That is the enthusiasm David gave the possibility of Stone Cold Steve Austin returning to the ring. Now, Scott, I've spoke to you about this, about what? your thoughts about Austin. <laughs> Shut up. About Austin maybe coming back. But Gary, in the lead up to the match itself, what were your thoughts? Were you, I know you're still a sucker for Goldberg, were you as excited as this for, for a potential Stone Cold Steve Austin match? Oh, totally. I mean, I loved Austin. Uh, you know, uh, we, when we uh, do interviews, we usually ask our guests, Rock or Austin? Austin's always the answer for me. I loved, loved him. Now, my, my fear was. Uh, 19 year, firstly, 19 years is a long time not to yeah. do it. Over the years, there's been teases of Austin coming back, so I never really thought we were going to get a match. I be- I thought we were going to get a segment and a little bit of a altercation and some shenanigans. I never thought we would get a match from it either, but yeah, I mean, always love to see Stone Cold back. So, Maybe because I wasn't, a, I didn't believe there'd be a match. Maybe I wasn't like as excited about that as I could have been. But what followed is I, I absolutely loved every minute of it. Loved every minute of it. And for those people that were watching Stone Cold wrestle for the very first time, you know Stone Cold before he broke his neck was a great 
technical wrestler. Mm-hmm. After that, he had more of a brawling style. So the style that you've seen on May, at WrestleMania 33 was in keeping with Latter Day Stone yeah. Cold. And I thought uh, Kevin Owens was a great partner for him, great on the mic, could certainly keep up with him and put on a great performance, made Stone Cold look absolutely fantastic. Uh, to, to, it took a stunner much better than Vince McMahon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, absolutely loved it, Ross. I just thought it was great. I was very jealous of the people that were in the building that night. They got to see what will be one of the great moments. To yeah, follow. absolutely. Absolutely. And Scott, um, we, we talk about Kevin Owens more than able to keep up. I loved Kevin Owens. And the build up to it, the facial reactions when Austin's on the on the ATVs rolling his eyes like I come on, mm-hmm. like tapping his imaginary watch, he's he's cutting them off, he's like, No, no, cut the music, this isn't the Stone Cold show, this is the KO show. <laughs> and then the 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 pause, the the almost Oscar worthy pause from Stone Cold when he's challenged to the match and the crowd are just like, Yes, yeah, he's not even acknowledging it. It just stares him down and then goes, hell yeah. And we get we get the match itself. I was a wee bit worried when we seen the kicks in the corner. He looked a bit yeah. slow, a bit stiff to start off with. But then five minutes later, we're seeing him take a suplex on the ramp, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, and also the actual match itself, I mean, it won't be described as a classic by any means, but like this is the kind of match Austin excelled at during his peak as... Yeah. The main guy, like from 98, 99 onwards, because he had to adapt to a more, you know, brawling style. Because, well, as to quote Grandpa Simpson, it was the style at the time. Uh, <laughs> also, because, honestly, he had to change up his style in a way because of the neck injuries. And so, I'll say all this time away, and, and that, I'll say, he was helping protect him because despite, you know, him training for this, he is still going to be limited in some ways. But also, but it, it, it makes it kind of exciting. And, you know, again, it was, it was the idea of, like, is this going to be another swerve? Like, are they going to let Stone Cold have the feel-good ending? Or is Kevin Owens just going to, you know, like, it would be great for Kevin Owens if Austin wanted to. He would basically say to them, I want to put him over. But I think everybody knew that the, the right ending was the Stone Cold beer bath at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, Owens took a hell of a stunner, but Byron Saxton <laughs> took a hell of a stunner and, uh, <laughs> Corey Gray's got so excited, I'm pretty sure he immediately phoned Carmella after that. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite thing about that, and I mentioned it to you guys on the Sunday, was Tom Phillips had a very heartfelt and uh, well-thought-out tweet that was unfortunately killed off by autocorrect. He tagged Byron Saxton and says, at Byron Saxton is a kid that just loves wrestling. He's wanted this his whole life, and my friend got to close out WrestleMania with his favourite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm very f- proud of my friend, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Just the moment killed with that last autocorrected word. But, yeah, Byron Saxton taking pos- a nomination for Stunner of the weekend. Certainly not worst Stunner. We'll, we'll get to that later on. Um <laughs> What would you give uh, given night one of WrestleMania? Just out of ten, just a quick out of ten. Gary, I'll go to you first. Oh, um, oh, good question. Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, Scott. What about you? 
I'll give it an 8.5 because, like, honestly, the first like couple of matches didn't get off to the, the biggest start. I, you know, didn't feel like rest of me, and it was a bit foreboding, but by the time we got up to the bit where it was Austin and everything, you really felt like, geez, this is really does feel like WrestleMania. There were points in the build where it didn't feel like you were getting close to WrestleMania. Even going to a lot of people said that Night 2 looked a lot better than Night 1, but I think we were all left with that, with the sentiment going into, like, Jesus, what's Night 2 going to have to do to talk this? Gary, I think um, as a feature with you and I, um, Usually when we go to a two-night thing, we're usually too hungover by the second night. I don't think that was the issue here. I think we were just a bit too tired uh, for night two. But night two, pretty good on its own nights as well. Uh, What was your match of the night for night two? Well, I think there's plenty of choice for this one. And um, the one I went for was the one that opened night two. I thought the Raw tag title match, the triple threat between RK Bro, the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy was fantastic. It was fast-paced, high-intensity and um, some nice moments throughout it crack and finish with RK bro them all I just love this odd couple pairing between yeah. the two of them and it looks like Randy Orton's having the best time ever yeah so I went for RK bro it was on for 11 and a half minutes and I've watched it subsequently it's just a you know bell to bell it's just absolutely action-packed Scott, um, a lot of people complaining the United States title wasn't on uh, WrestleMania, but the, to to the detriment of the US title was to the credit of the Raw Tag Team titles because they sort of took the de facto mid-card title role here and it felt a lot bigger than in previous years because you had the likes of Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens wanting to win these titles so they could get to WrestleMania. You had Orton and Riddle, the previous champions, wanting these titles back. Uh, Chad Gable made it quite clear: we've never, I've never been on WrestleMania main show. I deserve to be there, and I will be there. And yet, the Street Profits, who I really like the attitude of them leading yeah. up to it, the the mm-hmm. promo, you might not like it, but we're telling you, we're facing you for those titles. I really, I really liked how everyone was desperate to get their hands on those titles. Yeah, definitely. I think it had more story than a tag team title match has had going into WrestleMania in a good in a good while. Like on the other side, the SmackDown one, the really real reason it felt like Boogs and Ashmore got the title shot was they were the only real team that hadn't got a shot yet. Yeah. So by default they got it. But yeah, like it's good for the Alpha Academy and Street Profits because you look at it this time last year, they were on they were relegated to a four of the SmackDown belts on WrestleMania SmackDown. Uh, and now they're here opening night two. And, you know, it's it's just amazing to think the last year for Orton and Riddle because when they were put together like a week or so after WrestleMania last year, you thought, this isn't going to last past like SummerSlam at the latest. And now here they are and nobody wants it end, especially Randy Orton, if you, you've seen recent interviews. And I love Gable because like it was a weird order they came out with because like Orton and that came out first, then Treat Profits. And then you're like, why the fuck am I going And then you just hear... The start of the shoosh has been into their entrance music, and uh, and Gable made the fatal mistake. You should you can't you shouldn't make an any Randy Orton match. He went for the fatal flying nothing and got caught in an RKO. 
Yeah, some great spots. The the Randy or sorry the the Matt Riddle uh, RKO to Montez mm-hmm. Fold off a leapfrog on the top rope. Yeah. Randy Orton catching uh, Chad Gable in a massive RKO. Street Street Profits had their usual flying over. Even Angelo Dawkins usually it's Montez Fold that goes to the top. Dawkins got a few high flying moves in there. I know it's just and there is the absolute powerhouse. Um, I, I want to talk to you guys about the aftermath of the match because we've had amateur wrestlers and UFC former UFC guys um, come into WWE before, and we've had guys like Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar that have done really, really well, and then we've had guys like Sylvester Tokai <laughs> who done really, really bad, and or or hey. We had, um, oh Christ, what was his name? Fought Brock Lesnar. The oh, Kane oh, Velasquez. Kane yeah. Velasquez, yeah. That's got to be Kane. <laughs> Does that have to be Kane? Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> Gable Stevenson was in the crowd. We saw him uh, shake hands with Triple H, obviously, before the, uh, the start of the show, Triple H formally retired, left his boots in the ring, took 25 minutes to do it. But, you know, he did it. Um, he was given an introduction on night one from Stephanie McMahon wearing her dad's powder blue power suit. And then at the end of the match, the Montez, Dawkins, Riddle and Orton are all in the ring. They're about to share a drink. They invite Gable Steve. Is it Gable Stevenson? Is that his name? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're correct. <laughs> the bigger Gable of the Gables uh, came into the, the Clark Gable of the Gables came in to the ring. He he gets his drink slapped out his hand by the smaller Gable, Chad Gable, and then the bigger Gable, Gable Stevenson, decides no, uh, well, let's go Gable to Gable, and they have <laughs> they have a wee a wee scrap ends with a big belly to back suplex. They're putting a lot on this guy. And it, it, I don't doubt that the guy could probably take to it like Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. But what if he's not getting any promo skills? What if he's a bit... They're putting... They're, they really are riding a lot on this. Uh, he got, uh, in my view, a disproportionate focus at WrestleMania. One or the other would have been plenty. But today, both nights felt forced. And also when you think that we have a we had a match cut from the night before. Yeah. Because uh, and how you're cutting matches when you've got four-hour show uh, yeah. is, is pretty shocking when you've got a two-hour pre-show, which was just nothing uh, in particular. So I thought this was a you know wee bit too much, a wee bit more pushing down the, uh, your throats. Now, um, I have no doubt he'll, he'll be able to you know perform in the ring. It was a wicked looking suplex he got. But he's got a bit of work to do on the character and the psychology of it. You know, there are some men that just can't wait to pull off their tops either, and he <laughs> falls in that category, isn't it? They weren't even, you know, the the cup left his hand and his top was off straight away. So um, yeah, will remain to be seen. But they're certainly going to strap a rocket to him. Yeah, absolutely. It's got. Your match of the night for night two. Well, part of me wanted to say Edge AJ, but you know, I just I just went far too bloody long for, for my liking. So 
a match that I think uh, a lot of us enjoyed, but maybe more more than we thought we would. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. Just oh yes, Scott. Yes. Yeah, you, you can keep your you know your technical master classes, your spot fest, your store, your matches with multiple months of build and story behind them. Sometimes you just want to be sports entertained, and we were very sports entertained uh, during this. It's the revolving door of like jackass people that are hiding under the ring. You know, we've seen some in the crowd where I joked with you guys like, did they only have a limited amount of tickets for the jackass crew, right? Right, some of you are going to have to go under the ring. You can have three tickets. Three tickets. We may have 20,000 empty seats, but you can't have any of them. <laughs> Here are your three free tickets, but there are five of us. You've got three free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a match. I mean, you're talking about matches with multiple months build. Uh, this was one of them. Uh, it's been yeah. going since before the Rumble. Uh, I liked, once again... Obviously, we mentioned Logan Paul throwing himself in, but using heel tactics to get a one-up against guys that have been doing this their whole life. It was very clear Johnny Knoxville was going to use the anything-goes stipulation to his advantage uh, and against a guy that's been doing this 20-plus years. And it just made for a better story. You know, there was the giant mouse trap, there was the, the testicle kicking machine, there was the... There was a table with all the mouse traps on it. There was the giant hand. Just <laughs> so many stupid, stupid spots. That was something that made made something that could have been needed maybe before the Charlotte Ronda match. A daft, funny palate cleanser before an actual wrestling match itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this was just great fun. It really was. There were so many funny moments or spots within this. You've mentioned a couple of Ross. Uh, the, uh, oh, was it Chris Pontus? Is that his name? Dancing in the ring. Yeah, sadly, the <laughs> sadly wearing that thong and the camera angles that followed were unfortunate. The, <laughs> the big hand as well. Mark Henry May Young's <laughs> child making an appearance at WrestleMania. That was class. Uh, the wee man coming out from under the ring, slamming Sami Zayn was brilliant, but one of my favourite moments was Sami Zayn's big boot to the wee man's face. That just, if that doesn't warm your soul, then your heart is made of ice. It was just a, a good, uh, it was just great fun um, match. So it was, and I, yeah, I loved it. I've watched it since, uh, and I'm sure I'll enjoy watching it again. <laughs> I know it's like it's like the hardcore triple threat from uh, from Mania X Seven. I mean, you know, it's uh, a, it's a, it's like car wreck. You know, with all sorts of stuff being thrown in there. But as long for as long as it's on, you're going to be entertained. <laughs> I thought as well, Scott. You were talking about the hardcore title. This would have been a perfect. Um, the, the, the much maligned 24-7 title, which hasn't hit the heights that we wanted it to. This would have been a perfect showcase for that, I feel. I feel. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Like, imagine the run-ins, you get like, the likes of Tozawa and R-Truth against the Jackass crew. Uh, R-Truth mistaken the wee man for Hornswoggle because he lives under the ring or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, all, we all did joke of when the wee man slammed Sammy like, to him. To him, it's like slamming Andre the Giant. 
I, I do you know what I loved about this? You can I'm just I'm I've got the tweet here. You can feel the sneering anti WWE. This was not in the Tokyo Dome rage from Dave Meltzer's tweet here. Sami Zayn lost to Knoxville. All the Jackass crew got involved. At times it was unbelievably horrible. But some spots like Wee Man slamming Zayn at Zayn and the comedy stuff was all the <laughs> stuff, Dave. It was a comedy match. Got over with the live crowd. Zayn got trapped and pinned with a giant mousetrap. The first comment I'm just reading, unbelievably horrible. You just don't like wrestling, do you, Dave? That was fun. That was outstanding. Crack a smile. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like even some of the harshest, like, I mean, there were some people who didn't like the fact that the Austin thing may have ended or whatever because they have no heart. But, like, even some of the harsh people were even saying just how much they loved this show because it seemed to have something for everyone. Like when Brian Alvarez was saying, "Oh, this is the gimmick attendance this year." Because also like they like to embellish the numbers. Like who gives a fuck? You seen how many people were in there? Who cares if they want to play it up a little bit? And like he said, the replies to that were just a collective sentiment of, "Oh, shut the fuck up." <laughs> it's nice when there's a good WrestleMania and people like this can't profit off it by being assholes. Um, <laughs> One of my favourite tweets uh, referencing his his feud with Kevin Owens uh, from Battleground 2016 says, It's hard to decide which Sami Zayn match I prefer more. The one where he overcomes a Shakespearean Shakespearean level betrayal to become (coughs) the wrestler that we all know he can be. Or the one where he gets kicked in the dick by a giant dick-kicking machine. Why that machine was not referred to as the Nutcracker, I'll never know. (laughs) I do like that Sami Zayn tweeted out that Johnny Knoxville was going to get his ass kicked on the day of WrestleMania. And then a few hours later, he quote retweeted saying, this has aged horribly. But um, obviously I'm going to sound like a big hypocrite here saying that people like them can't profit off it by being miserable. But we'll just quickly talk about... What did you think your your least favourite match of the night was, Gary? I'll give you I'll give you a minute to talk about yours, and then Scott, you well, take a minute. Ironically, Ross, my match lasted one minute and forty seconds. <laughs> it has to be it has to be the new day and Sheamus and uh, I was going to say Cesaro, Sheamus and Rich Holland with the Scrappy Doo esque Pete Dunn, oh, cousin Butch, uh, which is just irritating. You annoying me so much. It has to be it has to be that match. Love the new days. Um, you know, the, the new day always make a big deal for WrestleMania. I love the tribute to Big E. Yeah. yeah. A minute forty seconds. It's when you what yeah. what what can they do in that? What can they yeah. do? What can you say about it? I thought it was I thought it was disappointing. A very um a very one and done sort of match, unfortunately. Um would have been nice to maybe see Ricochet taking Big E's place. You can get Butch involved in the match just to get the IC champ on WrestleMania. But yeah, unfortunately, a bit of a horrible match. I'm sure the New Day will be sick of the sight of Sheamus and Dallas. That's the second time he's beat them in a tag team match. Um, Scott, what was your worst match of night two? It's just really on Gary's thing. Like, uh, yeah, the match would end up being so short you probably wouldn't have uh, cared if it got added to the card or not. Like. Yeah. I know that it's the second time, it's not the first time they've been, New Day's been squashed to WrestleMania. They got bloody destroyed along with the Usos by the bloody Bludgeon Brothers at Mania 34. Yeah, this is true. My, my, my least favourite match was a match that wasn't advertised. It lasted <laughs> three minutes, but felt like three years. 
where after a match that was better than you thought it would be between Austin Theory and Pat McAfee, you know, absolutely super hit of the night. Then Vincent Mann slowly stumbled these 76-year-old ass into the ring with his weirdly jacked arms. proceeded <laughs> um, to slowly but surely randomly take all the wind out of Pat's sails from his wind for beating him with a random boot to the... So, I mean, I'm sure Vince McMahon is not, you know, does not pull his punches. I'm pretty sure that was as stiff as a kick you were ever going to get. So, you know, fair play. And then it followed. McMahon took a stun. Well, well, hold like, on, Scott, Scott. Hold on. Because we're going to talk about Pat McAvee, Austin Theory, and all the stuff that goes with it. So, we'll, we'll come back to your worst match when we do the, the rest of the review. But um, just quickly, we'll, we'll go through the, the rest of the card. Um, Bobby Lashley versus Omos. I think this match showed, guys, Omos is not ready to be on his own. No, definitely not. This match, sadly, was what we thought it would be. It wasn't wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. And Omos is too too raw, uh, in my view. I don't know if pairing with MVP is the answer. Certainly it will be good on promo, but MVP's not going to help him in the ring. No. Uh, Scott, I think it, it's probably... Uh, I mean, maybe... Maybe almost could have been benefited from maybe being Sami Zayn's bodyguard, maybe, helping him with the jackass guys, mm-hmm. but not, not a lot going for him singles-wise. Yeah, but, I mean, you can see why WWE are so behind him. Also, the size of him doesn't help. But he's one of the few big men that has a voice that actually matches his size. He's got this almost deep, like, menacing voice. <laughs> Unlike Brock Lesnar, who's got, it looks like a fucking bear, but has that like, most high-pitched voice you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> uh, and, like, so, like, you can get what they were going for here. Also, this unstoppable monster, and then, you know, Bobby Lashley, you know, coming into being like the only guy who can knock him down. Like you can see what they're going for, and it could have been a lot worse than it ended up being. But you know, as good as Lashley is, he's not somebody who's at the level where he can be the person yeah. carrying somebody, walking them through the match. So obviously, he did what he could, but obviously, almost was a bit more exposed than Debbie would have liked. Yeah, I think so. Um... From a match that was exactly what we thought it would be to Gary, a match that we you actually said on the night, this is much better than I anticipated. Uh, Naomi and Sasha Banks defeating Carmella and Queen Zelina, Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley, and Natalia and Shayna Baszler uh, to win the Women's Tag Team Championships. The streak is over. Sasha Banks has a WrestleMania win. The reverse streak has come to an end. All, all good things must come to must come to an end. But yeah, I mean, this felt like uh, you know when you see when you see mid card titles not making the show, and you see that this presentation for the women's tag titles, and you know, let's be honest, the the women's tag titles have not been great. No, we don't have very few proper teams, but this was like proper random thrown together teams. Natalia and Shayna, um, just just so random. But yeah, a match that I started off giving zero fucks about. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought there was some great work that was in the match and some great near falls uh, and a really really good finish. Scott, unfortunately for. Uh... Corey Graves, who'd already popped a 
a Cialisis <laughs> and was in his white tuxedo. <laughs> Carmella came to the ring in a wedding dress. Cody Graves <laughs> promised there would be a celebration like WrestleMania had never seen before when they retained. And Corey Graves was as much a, a part of this match as any woman in the, in the ring because his facial expressions after it really sold the disappointment. <laughs> and, I mean, Conrad Thompson was in Dallas that weekend. I'm sure Corey Graves hit him up some Bluetooth. Uh, for <laughs> <laughs> I loved yeah. how he went dressed that he was the Riddler the night before and then he was here in his all-white suit. I know, but the red sandals. sandals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, you had uh, don't know like Batman stuff, but you got like Liv and Rhea like with the kind of Catwoman, Batman s like gear, which did look a little bit more like somewhere where we weren't allowed to go on our trip to Amsterdam a few years ago. But that's another story. <laughs> I think, like, also you already. But, you weren't thinking the match was going to be bad because obviously there's a lot of talented women in this match and Natalia. But, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was whether or not he'd be given the proper time. And weirdly, like, we were thinking of surprise that they were given the proper time to showcase, you know, what each team was capable of. And the fact that Sasha won, I think, is a good sign because when you look at the, the track record of the women's tag titles, Sasha is one of the few people who, when she's got the tag titles, that's when WWE cares about them, and they're already setting up a big match for next week of her and Naomi V, Liv and Rhea on Raw. Uh, so I'm actually hopeful for what these two do, as long as they're uh, there's a tag chance, because you know it's good for Naomi as well, Sasha, because obviously this whole new Sonya thing went on with very little payoff uh, for too long, and a lot of people have been saying that she deserves more than what she's currently been given. So. It's nice to see Naomi back in a prominent spot again, you know, finally being a champion again. There was a thing for a while about Braun Strowman who, Braun Strowman was very well pushed by WWE uh, right up until WrestleMania and then it seemed they didn't know what to do with him. And yet Naomi disappears every year for 11 months of the year and then she either wins the SmackDown Women's title or the Miss WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. She's like Kyle Lafferty, isn't she? There's nothing all season then come April, start banging goals in. Uh, for, apologies to anybody that's listening that's not a fan of Scottish football. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're to- totally right. She, she's got tons of talent. Uh, but yeah, seems to flounder most of the year. But yeah, the reverse Strowman gets, you know, she, over the, her career, she, you know, was it Mania 33? She wins the title in Florida. Mania 34 screws Bailey <laughs> out of the Battle Royal victory and an <laughs> ultimate heel move and I've never forgiven her for that and then as you said um, this, this moment as well so she's got you know you know, for some considering the way she's presented compared to some of the other stars like we mentioned Sasha and her Wrestlemania moments and so on you know Naomi's done pretty well for herself here yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, guys, I want to talk to you about AJ Styles. Um, I think Edge AJ uh, suffered from the fact that, you know, it came after Knoxville and the women's tag titles where it was two two really good matches that we didn't think would be as good. It was in the middle of the card. The crowd were tired. It's the second night. But 
I, and I can give all these excuses, but is this maybe just another AJ Styles match that really hasn't lived up to the hype at WrestleMania? Because we look at his WrestleMania match with Jericho, didn't live up to the hype. We look at Nakamura and him, didn't live up to the hype. Him and Randy Orton, you know, the crowd couldn't care less at WrestleMania uh, 35. And now this match against Edge, it, I've watched it back, Gary, me and you spoke about this at the weekend, we find it quite hard to watch watch a match back when we know the result. But I, I, nothing no, nothing about this match really screamed WrestleMania to me. It just, it, it's starting to feel that the Phenomenal One, and hey, I'm wearing a TNA Phenomenal One t-shirt, <laughs> is starting to live off past glories here because... We also said this in 2018 about his year-long WWE title run. He's good, but it's not AJ Styles good. Yeah, I mean, we have high expectations of AJ Styles, and AJ Styles and Edge on paper for me was one of the matches. Looking at this, thinking, yeah, that is WrestleMania worthy. I liked, uh, I loved the Edge entrance. And I like this present, different presentation of Edge. But I think Edge has got a wee bit of a habit of, you know, he doesn't seem to do very many short matches. And this no. match went 24, 24 minutes. What was his Hell in the Cell match? 40-odd minutes. Yeah. And the Randy Orton match at WrestleMania lasted about a week. So um, that's, what, that's one part of it. And we went from matches that were fast-paced to one that was much slower in pace in addition to the points that you just made, Ross. So for me, it wasn't a bad match, certainly by that time of the morning for us when we were watching it, I know we were all starting to flag somewhat and a match of this nature maybe wasn't quite the right position for it, maybe like semi-main event, maybe first or second match would have been a better yeah. position for it um, but we'll, we'll get to see it again I'm sure we'll see this match at Wrestlemania Backlash and uh, I'm hopeful that they will will produce the goods but yeah it was felt just a, a no it's not a bad match but it's not it wasn't one of my highlights of Wrestlemania Scott, I did like um, Edge's entrance and his Undertaker-inspired gear, his old-school Undertaker-inspired gear with the, the purple mm-hmm. gloves and all that. But um, not not much more, really, to talk about with this match, really. I, I just, it didn't hit the heights for me. I know, and it's a shame because I love Edge's like, new presentation and like, the new theme and everything, but I think when Edge tries to have long matches at WrestleMania, much like Triple H before him, it just doesn't always work because whenever it's put out there, when, no matter where it's put in the card, people just can't like keep invested in it for that long because they know the show's going long enough already. And like when he had these long his match with like Orton at, at Backlash, it was much better than the Mania one or like some of the matches with Rollins. They actually did some really good stuff. But I think it's just he has an issue with WrestleMania since he's come back and. You know, it felt like much like AJ Speed with Nakamura was a case of like they were holding back because as given the finish, 
Uh, I feel like the feud is like continuing, not like being blown off here. Yeah. So they're, they're holding back for them. So I'm hopeful a rematch at Mania Backlash will be much better than, than this. But the story around it, I think, is better than the execution because Edge has decided, like, I've been to, I'm just happy to be here since I came back. So he's now this more darker version, darker, like, veteran who's judging the younger guys and taking these, like, chosen people, like, under his wing. Like, when Damien Peace showed up, like, because. I, 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 that took me like I had to do a double take when he showed up because they didn't have a, like a, a panel at like, the crowd looking over like oh something's coming through the crowd kind of thing. It's just a case of yeah. the camera kind of panned and like oh look that Damien Priest <laughs> he's just standing there. Yeah, so uh, Damien Priest joining what is going to be Edges. <laughs> Brody King called it when you order the House of Black on Wish. I mean the House of <laughs> The House of Black were on the pre-show on AEW's fourth biggest pay-per-view. This group came together on WrestleMania Sunday, so there's well, levels to, to this game, mate. To be fair, he did, he did they have to say later on when everybody jumped on him doing in these replies, like, like, lads, I was joking, basically, like, he was taking the piss about it, but I do like, I'm just to see who else they get to join this, uh, what I called it when we watched the Sunday, the new, new brood. Because the Hardys yeah. and Ganger were already the new brood, so this is the, the new new brood. Yeah, I've seen the rumours, I'm sure you guys have a Rhea Ripley and Champa. Champa, I've not seen, but mm-hmm. that would be great. Um, so, no, Scott, I'd you like mentioned. Like, sorry, on you go quickly. I was going to say, I'd like to see something like a T bar joint, just like have Priest and T bars like this, like monster tag team managed by like a veteran like Edge and have them go after RK Bro. Yeah, yeah. Have have T Bar renamed as Dijakovic? Yes, please. Yeah, he can he can drop the Dominic with your Dominic Mysterio. He can do Dijakovic. We, we know that's him. You know what I mean? Better than T Bar. See when this like a lot of people have joked about like the verbiage that Edge has been using, like talking about he's sitting atop the mountain of omnipotence. But I want whenever this faction comes out to be billed as hailing from the top of the mountain of omnipotence. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott, you mentioned. Your least favourite match was McMahon versus McAvey. I'm just going to quickly summarise uh, the McAvey theory, McMahon, McAvey match, and then we'll get to the aftermath and we can talk about that. Uh, McAvey came out, he looked like a star. He had the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders with him. Austin Theory had the, the whole Drew McIntyre chosen one gimmick. Vince McMahon clapping him to the ring. And... Yeah. Um, McAvey manages to win. I believe it was a, was it a roll up. Yep. Yeah, he yeah. gets the roll up. Gets the, that's what I liked about the celebrities here. By the way, they all had to work or use underhanded tactics to get the win. But the McAvey, we first first win in three matches. He immediately fights Vince McMahon, which I'm going to be honest, Scott, you might not have liked it. I loved it. See when Vince get the elms out. I'm sorry, I, I loved it. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I like the, like the ridiculous nature because also I remember initially the rumours were that it was going to be McAvee versus Vince so I think maybe they weren't going to do it but then they decided here's a way we can have McAvee have a proper showcase get Austin Theory on the card but also then do this match so they kind of like had it tried to have it both ways and like the idea of it I was interested in it's just how quickly despite it only being three minutes how quickly the reality of seeing Vince wrestle it at 76 years old actually like was uh, and we were all Come talking up. about how interesting it was the fact that they were using licensed music like an actual Alter Bridge song for Edge and 
Pat McAfee coming to Seven Nation Army, which we're all debating. Did they pay for that, or has McAfee just got so much money from his football career he can pay for it himself? Well, he does have a private jet, so yeah. <laughs> um... Ross, one sorry. Ross, sorry, just to say one of the things that I loved about this match, both of them, and it's not something I thought I would ever ever say, is I loved Michael Cole in commentary. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was fabulous. He was playing, played the role to perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he really summed up uh, Pat's big moment, and he was raging at McMahon. Uh, McMahon does win, we should say, by shenanigans. You know, Austin Theory does most of the legwork, but um, McMahon wins. He then gets a fright when Austin Theory's music plays. <laughs> almost as if he was expecting somebody else's music yeah, to play. It, it almost as expect <laughs> as he was standing in Austin, Texas, with Austin Theory. He was expecting maybe another. Austin. Anyway, I mean, you work with old people, you know, they're always startled by loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, never mind Austin's. A bald fella came, called Steve came out and um, proceeded to give night two, the same effect as night one, a beer bash and some great stunners. There was a great stunner to Austin Theory. Yes. There was a beer bash with Pat McAvee where he took a great stunner and then yes. had a beer while lying on the ground, which I thought was great. Then, um, well, a stunner happened. I, I don't know how. Oh, <laughs> but he kicks Vince, who has his head back, taking a sip of beer. Vince stumbles back. Austin goes to grab him, but isn't quick enough. So they fall to the rope. He pulls them forward with too much force which causes Vince's legs to go away and Austin to eventually go, oh, fuck it, and hits him with a stunner. Now, Gary, you mentioned, for those seeing Austin wrestle for the first time, that was how he wrestled 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, etc. before he retired. For those of you who have never seen Vince McMahon take a stunner before, go and view the first ever Stone Cold stunner on Vince McMahon. <laughs> It's equally as horrendous. Vince McMahon has never been... It will never... In a compilation video with the likes of Rock, Rusev, even Byron Saxon and Austin Theory um, after this weekend, you will never ever see a Stone Cold Stunner <laughs> to Vince McMahon in those compilations. No, at least this time he didn't lie shaking like he'd been electrocuted. So... <laughs> If nothing else, over the last 20 years, he's learned to stop doing that. <laughs> and Scott, I don't know if you've seen on social media that somebody in WWE's editing department deserves a raise because they've managed to edit <laughs> some of that clip together to make it look passable. Pardon me. Scott, um, Austin it found it so bad that he laughed after doing it. You mentioned this was your worst match of the weekend. Go on, I'll give you a quick 30 seconds to rant and then we'll move on to the main event so we can finish up. Oh, no, I think I got everything I need to mess with them with the, uh, in terms of the match itself. I mean, fair play to Austin Theory where Steve Austin saying, there's only room for one Austin round here. <laughs> and giving him a sunny Pat McAfee still like drinking the beer after getting stunned. I just wanted the opportunity to make this joke about 
about Vince. Like he took the stunner like a puppet that just had its strings cut the way he just crumbled to the ground. <laughs> yeah, uh, an invisible person clearly kicked Vince's legs away from him. There's a, a video, guys, if you can look it up after the show. It's Mick Foley watching the stunner. <laughs> and I, I believe Noel has videoed him and he is pissing himself like he cannot help laughing. But anyway, um, guys, I sat here with Chris Anthony Lopez after the Royal Rumble um, back in January where it was rumoured that WWE had no plans for the WWE title and we were quite, you know... We're never going to be struck where we just moan at WWE for no reason, or David Hockney who hates anything that's fun. But you know, we we are we do call WWE out, and we were quite vocal that we were not happy that WWE title had no had no path to WrestleMania. But they certainly found a way to make it the make it the talking point of the weekend, along with the Universal title, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for both titles and Paul Heyman's love. In the main event of night two of WrestleMania, um, I I like this guys. It, you know, build is the biggest WrestleMania match ever. It's never going to live up to the hype. You know, we're looking at you, greatest match ever, Ed Randy Orton. But I thought it was a I thought it was a really good match. Um, that both title both guys seemed like they could leave with the title. Roman's on this run of his career. And Brock Lesnar is just Brock Lesnar. You never know. You never know if they're going to pull the trigger with Brock or not. And Scott Roman ends up leaving with both titles. A uh, the he's now known as the undisputed Un, uh, WWE Universal Champion. Match ends a bit quicker than expected, though, due to what's meant to be a legitimate injury to Roman's shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it would probably would have been cut down that much. I don't think a match with Brock Lesnar is going to go longer than like 10, 15 minutes at a push, even with the, the stakes involved in this. And people can say what they want about the whole like biggest match ever, but I think it's the fact that they are doing the whole unified titles thing. And even though they have done it uh, a few times before, like 2001, 2013, the idea of doing it again, obviously, whenever you're unifying a title, it does have a bit of grandeur to it. And the fact that it's uh, it's these two guys involved in it, so you know, I enjoyed. I mean, maybe they have had better matches in the past, but you know, it wasn't as bad as say their Mania Thirty Four uh, match that they had. And Roman even mentioned that on the WrestleMania Go Home Raw, saying that like the fact that I've never beaten you at WrestleMania like really hurts me. And so he managed to finally beat Brock, and you know, it was either way, it was the result that everybody knew was going to happen, you could expect that. And W got their moment of Roman with the two titles and the pyro in the background that moment. They're probably going to replay in packages about Roman Reigns for for years to come. And, you know, it's just easier that sense of, like, where are they going to go from here with the, the titles? Does this mean the mid-card titles will get more of an emphasis because there's only one world champion? Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Roman on Raw because... Roman got a promo on, on Raw as well, saying, like, I used to, I don't know if you guys remember, I used to run this place before Fox came begging me to save SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we we talk about, um, Gary, there's there's always another show, and I, I liked how quickly some of the anti-WWE crew 
move to slander WWE after what was an amazing WrestleMania because Roman was on Raw for five minutes because he's probably dealing with a legitimate injury that has to be checked. Um, they, he basically done a promo and it basically said, tune into SmackDown, you'll see, you'll see the champ there. Yeah. And people were like, oh my God, you know, we watched three hours of Raw to be told to tune into a show in five days' time. These people wouldn't have survived during the Attitude Era, I don't think. <laughs> it's almost like some people don't understand how episodic TV works. <laughs> you don't get the finish all... You know, if you watch a movie, it doesn't all happen in the first couple of minutes. Yeah. And WWE have been criticised over the years for rushing things as well. So take your time, tell the story, lay some foundations for what comes next. That That's fine with me. <laughs> and Monday Night Raw had plenty of other stuff going on within it as well. If you want to take Mahana a shoot. Mahanamania! Mahanamania! <laughs> <laughs> Ezekiel's debut, which I'm sure we'll be talking about for years to come. For moments to come. <laughs> uh, I mean, to your earlier point, Ross, about this match, yeah, I've, said, I've said before as well that I don't think, I didn't think Brock needed to win the Royal Rumble and I didn't think that Brock needed to win the WWE Championship. I think this story was set up come the Rumble yeah. where, with Roman and not the other shenanigans, their, this main event was set up. Roman and Brock could have had continued the feud over the Universal title. I am not convinced that adding the WWE Championship to this really resulted in more ticket sales and more pay-per-view buys or Peacock subscriptions or WWE Network subscriptions. I think they'd have got just the same from it before. I don't think either guy needed the extra championship to add credibility to them. Now, Bobby Lashley continuing with his run with the WWE Championship or Big E or whatever. Yes, you could have had another match, another significant match on the show with elevated status because of it. But it's unfortunate that this match got cut short. They didn't get the finish they planned. Now, if you take back to day one pay-per-view, what, how long did the main event that last? That fatal five-way, what, 10 minutes? 10 that minutes. was incredible. Yeah. Action-packed finish. Um, so just, a, you know, you, uh, Brock doesn't need a huge amount of time for cracking main events. It's just really unfortunate that that injury happened. They had to wrap it up that bit quicker. But I don't know about you guys. I'm interested to see what's going to happen in SmackDown. Is it going to be The Rock? Is it going to be Drew? Is it going to have to forfeit? I want to see it. And I've not felt that way about SmackDown for a wee while. Yeah, yeah. to your point. Uh, sorry, 8 minutes, 18 seconds was the day one main event. Sorry, Scott, on you go. I was going to say, I'm interested to see what happens on SmackDown because, like, and I think that's what they want you to be like. They was like, oh, here's Roman on Raw. You're going to see more of him on Raw now he's third champion. But we also have another show on Friday that we really need to keep the ratings up for to justify all that money we're getting. So please watch that as well and hear the rest of this promo. I think is the, the general purpose behind this. And I think WWE's thinking was rather than a, a kind of a lackluster, no build match for the WWE title with somebody else. The idea of maybe bringing it into this feud gives Roman another accolade, further bids him up as like the, the final boss of the company. 
also having him on Raw gives him some new guys that he, he hasn't beaten yet, so that he's not continuing to basically just chop down every contender that they build up over on over on SmackDown. Uh, I'm also looking forward to finding out as the weeks goes on. Maybe we'll find out as soon as as early as SmackDown is. What's it going to be like belt-wise? Is he going to continue to carry the two? Is the Dewey, current Dewey version basically inactive? He's going to do the two. Meltzer was reporting, and WWE is reporting them as two separate reigns. So his Universal title reign is still going, and his WWE title reign is classed as a new one. Like, so it's like cla- doing boxing. Yeah, so it's classed as a... It, the, the, the easiest comparison I can do is Kenny Omega for the past mm-hmm. year, where... He'd won one title, but then he'd won another, and he'd keep carrying. You know, when he lost the Impact title, he didn't lose the AEW yeah. title, and so on and so on. But um, I, I, I could see him losing the WWE belt at some point in the summer, basically the same way that Becky lost like the SmackDown belt, but then held on to the Raw belt when she had the two titles. Yeah. So like they can keep him strong, but like oh no, like you had to cash it. I mean, when I was one of one, still like the guy around here. Yeah, I think. Um, It'll be interesting to see what title goes first. I think it should be the WWE title because this Universal title reign is 500 plus days long. We really should get a big main event. I think, I think he'll lose. I think he loses the WWE title before the summer's out. However, I believe next year's WrestleMania and the Universal title match. I think we'll see him still holding. In fact, if the rumours to be true that it's The Rock then I, I don't see him holding any title next WrestleMania, actually. So we'll, we'll be interesting to see how this title situation resolves itself. But we'll, we'll wrap up quickly, guys. Um, just I'll ask you two quick questions. Just I need a name, just a name, no explanation. Gary, who's the first person to take a title from Roman Reigns? Sorry, say that again, Ross. Who's going to be the first person to take a title from Roman Reigns? Cody. Cody. Right. Scott, what about you? Uh, Drew. You're going for Drew, right, we'll get. So if it was Cody, it'd be the WWE title because he's mentioned he wants that title. If it's Drew, he's on SmackDown, it's the Universal title, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Guys, your your night two score for WrestleMania and your overall weekend score, Scott, I'll go to you first this time. Uh, I think it'd bring it down a little bit maybe to maybe a, around a seven for WrestleMania night two, but overall, I think overall an eight for WrestleMania across both nights because, like I said, there was enough to keep any kind of like fan interested where it's some people, guys like us have been watching it for years or casual, like someone like uh, our cousin David who just got into to wrestling over the last year or so, like there was something for everybody on this night and... For the most part, when you look at it, WWE went with the the right results for the majority of the matches. Yeah, Gary, what about you? I'm beginning to think I was maybe harsher with my score for night one, uh, because I'm going to give night two an eight as well. I thought, you know, the Raw title match, the Jackass match, the women's tag title match, uh, Stone Cold coming back out, all fab to it. The bits that didn't quite deliver for me, in my, in uh, far as my case, because I don't think we're disastrous in any stretch of the imagination. I think these two nights were cracking shows, 
And as Scott said, there's something in amongst all of this for everybody. If there's one thing you didn't like, there's surely to God something else that you would have liked and loved on this card, unless you're one of the anti-WWE brigade. Yeah. <laughs> so a really, you know, credit where credit's due for a really, really good WrestleMania weekend. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I was just, I was looking for, because I, I, I gave it a 10 out of 10 for the weekend. Uh, and I'll go into that in a second. So it's just a tweet I've seen. I'm laughing at my own jokes here when I put head of the table versus head of the sable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I say this year's WrestleMania catered to all fans and viewers. There was something yeah. for everyone on both nights on these shows. It's got to be a 10 out of 10. And Gary, I agree with your point. The the poor matches weren't disastrous. Like, <clears throat> we, we, with due respect to the Usos and... Uh, just the Usos themselves no one was caring about their tag title match they were more interested in will they get involved in Brock Roman and you know when matches really didn't you know Drew McIntyre and Corbin for example weren't 10 out of 10 these weren't the matches people came to see I think maybe the only letdown of the weekend for me was AJ versus Edge but the two matches before that over delivered so everything sort of balanced itself out. So I'll give WrestleMania a 10 out of 10 this weekend. And yeah, one of my favourite WrestleManias for a while, guys. I, I think one of the best, maybe in the past... Yeah, maybe in the past decade, possibly. I think, uh, obviously, Mania 35, you know, the year before everything went to shit. I think that was overall a great WrestleMania. Obviously very, very long, but I think well-paced when you look at it. That was, I think, one of the best WrestleManias of the, the decade. But I think this one goes out there because, you know, like me, like 32, 33, 34, there was a lot of stuff that fans found to complain about those Mayas. And then the last two being hit by the pandemic very heavily. So this one felt like a more like a return to what we imagine WrestleMania to be in terms of presentation, like an actual arena built to almost capacity of people and, you know, the, you know, the pageantry that WWE is known for putting on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's going to do is here, guys. We are finishing off Central this week. We'll be back to a normal format next week where we talk about all the news throughout all the wrestling. But, you know, WWE fan or not, you can't deny WrestleMania is the biggest show of the weekend. So we had to dedicate an entire Central to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary, you're you're in charge of org- helping organise the feature shows. What sort of feature shows have we got coming up? We have just uh, recorded one, so uh, you released uh, on Tuesday, looking back at one of the Raws after Mania, one of the more fondly remembered Raws after Mania, the evening that Dolph Ziggler cashed in to become the WWE champion. So I think that's a a cracking uh, show to look back. But yeah, we've got all sorts of things coming up. We are going to be debating WrestleMania Fallout and the debating chamber, and I'm getting ready to rewatch a blast from the past 25 years. To, yeah, 25 years ago, In Your House, Revenge of the Taker. <laughs> which I'm looking forward. And just one final plug to mention, we have a feature show closing out April focusing on Cody Rhodes. There we are. So talk about timing, Scott. You're going to be on the Revenge of the Taker one. You're also part of the Saturday Draft Live crew, the original 
the innovator, the <laughs> the Terry Funk. You'll never retire here. So, no. so you're, the, you're the Mick Foley. You'll stick around when it's Terry Funk has just announced his latest retirement, David Campbell. Uh, what have you got coming up for Saturday Draft Live? Yeah, I mean, I went away for a wee bit in like season nine or whatever it was, I think. But like, much like Mick Foley in 2000, I was back for WrestleMania. I was back for the big show to, <laughs> you know, miss a table bump. Uh, yeah, so Saturday Draft Live, we just did the big uh, season 13 selection show. It's on our social medias and our YouTube channel if you want to go watch it and uh, see the debut of Ryan Dalgleish as part of the team. And as well, traditional, all four, future episodes, guys. He's known every episode. <laughs> but he will be on this Saturday's episode, but then don't let that put you off. It's our traditional four, all four hosts examining everybody's teams in a little bit more depth, you know, not constrained by the fact that we've got other picks to make and time constraints. We're just going to, you know, take as long as we need to. Uh, I'm on the of the Revenge of the Taker show. I haven't watched it back yet, but looking at the card for that show, not filming with as much enthusiasm as some past uh, pay-per-view lookbacks, but also being recorded this week as East Meets West is back with a, a look back at March's New Japan Cup. Uh, we're hoping to get it out just around at the time of this Saturday's big hyper battle show where the winner of the New Japan Cup, Zack Sabre Jr., gets his title shot against Okada. We'll be back at the end of April to talk about hyper battle uh, and the big show in the US, which I haven't watched, but I've heard uh, wasn't New Japan's best outing. Well, there we are. Well, there you are. Massive amount of previews, interviews, news, and previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Easy for me to say on each Sleep Suplex retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And of course, if you want to give us a follow and get involved in the conversation at Suplex retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we are there. Gary, you and I will be on STL soon as well because you've got a championship opportunity cash in. You've got a date with destiny, my friend. Yeah. Main event, McLeod will be <laughs> back on the pre-show in no time. <laughs> date with destiny, just don't tell my fiance. Anyway, guys, I'll catch you later. Have a good one. See you next week. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.